Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. I get to follow that, and I get to follow a Jewish kind of pseudo guy. Uh, the pseudo guy, yeah. God's good. We're thankful that you're here this morning. Uh, I've been told I have a really short sermon today. Amen. Keep praying. Um, We're going to talk about heaven, about what heaven is. And folks, the fact is that heaven can't wait, can't wait for any of us. Uh, Years and years ago, 1978, Warren Beatty starred in a movie, Heaven Can Wait. It was based on an idea that the quarterback of the Los Angeles Rams football team, his life is ended by a freak accident. He's transported to the pearly gates where he finds out, in fact, that it was not his time to die and that an angel took him out early because the angel did not want him to feel the pain of the coming car accident that was a part of his life. Now, it was a pseudo-religious kind of comedy movie of the late 70s that really had no bearing on the Bible. It was kind of like George Burns and John Denver in the movie, Oh God. The problem is that much of our culture believes that heaven is like what Hollywood says it is. That is, pearly gates and streets of gold and that good people inhabit it. And the Bible has different definitions of what heaven is. Number one, angels don't decide when you die. The Bible says that God has a time stamp on every single person's life in this room and everyone that you'll ever see and every person in this room and this world has a time stamp that God has set aside for how long your life will last. The Bible also says that God knows every hair on your head. All right. And some of us know how many are on somebody's head too. But guys, the God that loves us has that definition already already settled in accounts for all of us. We know, He knows when we are going to be with Him in heaven. And so guys, heaven can't wait according to God. The Bible says that heaven is the place that you want to end up when your life ends. Heaven is the place that is, if, if you want to call it this, the goal that we want to end at. It says that it is the place where God is on His throne. It says it is the place where Jesus has prepared for you. He has prepared for you that very dwelling place for eternity. And guys, this is not going to be a great hotel. That's not what God has done. It is going to be a place where we are surrounded by the splendor of Almighty God and we have the opportunity to go in and worship and to serve Him and to be around Him and to rejoice. And folks, listen to me. You may or may not like church on Sunday morning. This is practice. Um, Great basketball player a few years ago uh, was asked about practice and not, not hustling during practice. And he had this great quote. He said, this is practice. Okay, it's not a game, not a scoring game. It's practice. Okay? Well, this is practice too. 
because we get a tiny, tiny little bit of understanding when the Holy Spirit begins to move you in your pew or me as we're standing and you sense His Spirit and you sense Him beginning to work in your life and mine and you go, wow, whoa, 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 whoa. This is different. This isn't church anymore. This is worship. That's a tiny taste of what heaven is like. So folks, we're going to read about John's definition in the book of the Revelation. We're going to read about what he saw in heaven. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me. It's in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. There we go. Let's read together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully for her husband. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And they truly are. May God bless you. Please be seated. Quickly, I want to share with you these truths about heaven. We're going to be talking about it for the next couple of weeks. The first one is this, that heaven is a real place. It is real. Now, there are are folks in theology that say, well, there's no real hell. One guy that I read this past week said, hell is actually here on earth. You're in it right now because we're separated from God, and there's no way that we can have the interplay that we should have. So this must be hell that we're in right now. The Bible says that's not true. When we want to know what heaven is like or hell is like or God is like, anything like that, we need to go back to Scripture and find out what God's Word says about it. Now, now please understand this. Many of you all have been around folks that don't believe the Bible. All right, folks, let me share with you a couple of things. The Bible either has to be completely and totally true or God is a liar. Because Jesus ended up going ahead and quoting from the Old Testament and he didn't just quote little bits and pieces of it. He quoted from the Old Testament over a hundred times and he referenced it and he made made clear intentions that, that stories like Jonah were not an allegory. In fact, he said they were true. The reason I share this with you is that if we believe what the Bible says about heaven, then heaven is not just a place that good people go. Heaven becomes then a place and a destination that God created with the intention that you and I would be with Him there. It becomes not this hoped-for goal, but instead the guaranteed destination that God wants you to be a part of. Heaven is real. It is mentioned 276 times in the New Testament alone. The Bible mentions 
then a minimum of three portions, there, there are a minimum of three portions in heaven. Scripture says that there is this portion of heaven that, that we know more about as, as the places that the birds fly. And it says that, it says that the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 9 mentions about a man being caught up into the third heaven. So if a third heaven exists, there must also be two other heavens. And the first one of these is, as we mentioned, that Old Testament sense of a heaven, the sky or firmament. This is the heaven that contains clouds and the area that the birds fly through. The second heaven is the interstellar, the outer space that we talk about. By the way, how many of you all in here, now everybody's exempt on the front row, front two rows, part of the third row, um, fourth row, yeah. Um, how many of you all remember 50 years ago the lunar landings? How many of y'all remember? Wasn't that cool? Wasn't that amazing? The whole world stopped with all of its... That's, that, that was talking about this second portion of heaven. The, the stars and the, the planets that God had created. Go back to Genesis and you find out that he, it, the Bible says he hung them. It, it wasn't just where he took a bunch of stars and went, wham, threw them out there. Instead, it says he placed each one in a place. So all of the interstellar gravity that we sense was by God's design. This isn't by chance, folks. God chose to put it this way. And heaven is a place that is not a place of chance. It is a destination. It is the place He has prepared for you and me. Now what's great about heaven is this third heaven, the location of which is not revealed, is the dwelling place of God. Jesus promised to prepare a place for you and me in heaven. In John 14:2, heaven is also the destination of the Old Testament saints who died trusting God's promise that there would be a redeemer. And if you if you read in Ephesians 4:8, you find out that all of those folks in the Old Testament that died before Jesus ever got there. Ephesians 4:8 talks about what happens to them and why they are where they are before the advent of of, of what we know as heaven. By the way, you remember when Jesus is on the cross, and you have the one the one thief on one side and one thief on the other. One thief over here is, is sitting there going, you know, if you're really God, get us out of the mess we're in right now. Okay, it, isn't, it isn't I'm about to die and I, and I need to get things straight. He's, he's looking to, to, to get out of the mess he's in so he can continue on with the mess his life is in. And then he, the other guy on the other side of Jesus says, don't you even fear death? We're about to die. Don't you fear eternity? And he says... Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You remember what Jesus says? I'll remember you when I get to heaven. No, didn't say that, did he? I will remember you this day. You will be with me in a place called paradise. By the way, this is the teaser. Next week we find out the difference between paradise and heaven itself. But it is an eternal place a place that was designed. And third heaven that we talk about here was that place that God has, has designed for you and me to be with Him. Whoever believes in Christ will not perish, but instead have this eternal life. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 4, talks about what Paul saw. 
And he writes these words. He says, I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained, I will go on to the visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But God knows. And I know that this man, who, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And I share that with you, folks, because heaven is not just a real place, but the Apostle Paul, this fellow that had persecuted Christians and Christ followers from the moment that he, he got sniff of them, ends up becoming a Christ follower. And when he does, God gives him a picture of what heaven is. Now, the writer of Revelation ended up with a vision of what heaven was like. And, and look, Revelation is a difficult book for most believers. And it's, not, it's the most organized book in the Bible. It is the most organized book. One thing happens, then the next thing happens, then the next. It is sequential. Okay? The problem is it has imagery in it. So here's what I'm going to give you as an example of imagery. All right? want you to think of a Chevrolet Corvette, okay? Everybody know what that is? Corvette, really fast car back in the day. All right, so you're thinking of your Corvette. How many of you all have your Corvette in your mind right now, okay? Hold your hand up if you have your Corvette. Stop. Hold your, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. All right, sir, in the very back, right there with the blue plate, yep, you. What year Corvette are you thinking of? Oh, Oh, good. Is it a split window? Oh, oh, that's a great Corvette. All right, Stu, what year are you thinking of? 68 Corvette. Is it a convertible? Okay, all right. Yes, yes, Ginger. A 2019? Bill, you got some payments ahead of you, buddy. All right. You know the problem with thinking about a Corvette? in the middle of church, when you want to get out so you can go to eat. The problem is, when we think about visions in our own mind, we think of a 64 Corvette, a 68 Corvette, or a 2019. We're not thinking of the same things. When the Bible talks about a vision of what heaven is, and John, the revelator, ends up writing about it, you can trust that he's talking about only one thing, only one heaven. And he is bringing this image in mind to go ahead and share with you and me 2,000 years later that this is what heaven is like. And this is what God has planned. Now the reason I share that about heaven is because when you and I think about heaven, it is a place that God wants us to be a part of. He prepared this place for you and the person sitting in front of you and the place for every person you will ever know and every person that you have ever seen. But not every person will get there. Unlike heaven can wait. Unlike, oh God, where Hollywood comes in and says, you know, if you're just good enough or do enough things that are okay, you'll get there. The Bible says otherwise. Matter of fact, there are no mistakes regarding who gets to heaven. It is by God's invitation to you and me through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus' death on the cross pays for your sin and my sin. 
We couldn't do it ourselves. He invites you and me to believe that fact and receive Him as the boss of your life this very morning. (laughs) You can get your eternity settled in one spiritual transaction this morning in a hometown church in the middle of central Texas. You want to know what's cool about God? He gives you that chance to do it right now. Not to go ahead and have a holy service where somebody has to hit you with a lightning bolt or God has to say, you know, if you're going to do this, you have to give up this, 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 this. He doesn't play that game with you and me. He loves you and invites you to become a part of His heaven and His family and you can do it this morning. That is an eternal love that speaks about the eternal home that God has for you and me. And wants us to be a part of. Heaven is something else though. And I want you to know this. Heaven is a place of no mores. It is a place of no mores. If you read back to Revelation 21. You find out that it's a place of no more tears. You will not have to cry in heaven. As a matter of fact the Bible says that if you are so overcome. When you open your eyes in heaven and you see Jesus, and guys, you will see Him face to face. Every single one of us in this room will see Jesus face to face. And He will either say, Welcome into the kingdom that I prepared for you from the foundation of this earth. Or He will say those horrible words, I never knew you. The four worst words that a human can hear. You will see Him face to face. And if you're so overcome with this incredible joy that you're in heaven and tears are coming down your face, the Bible, you can talk about something cool. The Bible says that Jesus is going to reach out and He's going to wipe the tears from your face. There are no tears in heaven. No more tears. Not only that, there's no illness. It is all cured. There's no pain. It is cured permanently. And folks, there's no more death. Death dies. Heaven is a place of life, not death. There's no more separation. Separation from God or from God's people. I've been asked this probably a hundred times in the 40 years of ministry that I've, I've, I've had the privilege of being a part of. Will we know each other in heaven? Please hear me. The Bible is clear. You will know folks in heaven. Here's the problem. And this is the wonder of of that. The Bible's clear you'll know who people are in heaven. Marriage is not going to be important in heaven. However, My grandfather, who was a Christ follower, saw me when I was about a month old. I don't remember him. There's a picture that we have of him holding me. Here's this gray old man, and he has this wonderful, joyous look on his face, and he's looking down at me, and I'm gurgling. I've got drool going out, kind of like I do now. I got drool going out the side of my face. I don't remember that. I don't remember him. 
the only image I have of him is this old man doing that. What's going to happen to those folks that recognize him in heaven but knew him only as a small child? Are they going to recognize this? Let me share with you guys. <laughs> the Bible says that you and I in heaven get a perfect body. Now, that doesn't mean you look like Christy Brinkley, okay? Guys, that doesn't mean you look like Rock Hudson. By the way, you don't want to look like Rock Hudson, okay? Just trust me, you don't. It means that you have the perfect body that God intends for you, and it is recognizable by God and by others. Why a bodily resurrection? Because the Bible says that we will be raised as Christ was raised. Remember, remember what happens after three days in the tomb? Boom. Stones rolled out of the way. And Jesus makes a bodily resurrection. That means Oakland Cemetery over here. What's going to happen there? When Jesus returns, those that are Christ followers, it says the graves will open. And what's going to happen? Well, a lot of folks in Navasota that don't go to First Baptist are going to be really surprised. No. Guys, we're not the only ones going to heaven. It means this. There's going to be one more great opportunity for people that don't know Jesus to know. Heaven is a place of no mores. I will not be separated from God any longer. Neither will you. So do you want to go there? Here's how you can. Belief in these four truths. Number one, truth that God loves you. He always will. Number two, he demonstrated His love for you by sacrificing His Son Jesus on the cross to die and to forgive you and to pay for your sin and mine. Number three, you can receive that forgiveness by faith right now. By bowing your head and asking Jesus to simply come into your life and become boss of your life. Guys, this isn't, this isn't religion. And it certainly is not something that a Baptist church and a Baptist church alone preaches. The offer that God makes to you and me is in the Bible, not in a Baptist church constitution. He makes that offer to you and me. So do you want to go? Well, the fourth thing is this. Once you have decided you want to go and you invite Jesus to come in and become boss of your life where He begins to take residence in you and walk with you and begin to guide and steer your life to what He wants you to do. And oh, by the way, that's exactly what happened with Joe and Heather where they knew that God wanted them to go start working at this church up in Dallas. Should they have stayed here? Could they have stayed here? Absolutely they could have. But God wanted them elsewhere. And when Jesus says it's time to head north four hours to Frisco, Texas, you say yes. So what's the fourth one? This. Heaven is now your home, but there are others who don't know about heaven yet. And it's your job and mine to tell them. To tell them. Not to wait, wait till we're in a grave at Oakland Cemetery and Jesus return and we pop out of the grave for that. That's not the only telling we do. We do it now. And guys, listen to me. It doesn't mean that you take your Bible and you try to... I feel a sermon coming on. I'm going late. I don't care. It doesn't mean you take a Bible and you try to cram it down someone's throat. What it means is you use the opportunities that when God gives you the chance to go ahead and tell the story of how He reached you, you do. 
Six years ago, we sat in this sanctuary, and I said, you've got two minutes to tell the person next to you how you became a Christ follower. You all remember doing that? Twelve years ago, we did it too. We're going to do it next week. Prepare. Two minutes to be able to tell how you were discovered and found that you knew God loved you, that you invited Jesus to forgive you of your sin, and that you have the promise of heaven as your home. Heaven can't wait. As a matter of fact, for some of us, heaven is simply a breath away. My hope and prayer is this morning, you'll decide that 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 is the place you want to spend eternity with a God who loves you. Pray with me. Holy Father, thank you for this time, this worship time that we've had. God, you love us. And you don't just say it, you do it. So right now you are calling and speaking to a heart that may not have every answer about why things are the way they are. But that person can sense your love right now. I pray that you will give them the confidence to say, I choose to make Jesus, if this isn't a joke, my boss. Speak to that heart. Draw them to You. And Father, we will give You glory and honor for all that You do, for all that You have done. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Folks, we're coming to a time in our service where we sing a song. And this song is not to just signify one end of a church service. It is the opportunity to go ahead and say, If God's speaking to my heart, I will say yes. And I will go ahead and publicly do what Jesus did. Publicly die for my sin. I will publicly say that I trust Him. If God's speaking to you about that decision, this song is a time where I'll be standing here at our altar area and I invite you to come. Perhaps God is saying it's time to go ahead and plug into a local church and this is the place God has for you. If that's that time, the right answer is yes to God's Spirit. You tell Him that. I'd love to pray with you about it. Let's stand together. Let's sing. And as God leads, you come. Please take your hymnals and turn to number 321.